pessimist because I'm alive. To be a pessimist means that you have agreed that human life is an epidemic matter. So I'm forced to be an optimist. I'm forced to believe that we can survive whatever we must survive. But the Negro in this country, the future of the Negro in this country is precisely as bright or as dark as the future of the country. It is entirely up to the American people and our representatives. It is entirely up to the American people, whether or not they're going to face and deal with and embrace this stranger whom they rely on so long. What white people have to do is try to find out in their own hearts why it was necessary to have a nigger in the first place. Because I'm not a nigger. I'm a man. But if you think I'm a nigger, it means you need it. The question you've got to ask yourself, the white population of this country has got to ask itself, north and south, because it's one country, and for a Negro, there's no difference in the north and the south. There's just you know, a difference in the way they, in a way they castrate you. But, that's, but the fact of the castration is the American fact. If I'm not a nigger here, and you invented it, you, the white people, invented it, then you've got to find out why. Episode 2 of the My Brother's Keeper podcast. I'm your host, Eric St. Genesis. And today's host, I mean today's guest, sorry, is my good brother, Tyree Woodson. Westchester County Legislator, newly elected Westchester County Legislator of District 13, Mount Vernon. Mount Vernon in the building, stand up. So, without further ado, I'm going to introduce you guys to this episode's guest. One second. My brother, what's going on with you? What's going on? How's everything? Everything is good, my brother. Uh, another so, you know, that's a, that's a blessing uh, heading into holiday season. So, mm-hmm. feeling good. How you doing? I'm blessed, man. I'm blessed, you know. Just maintaining, you know, the climate of the world now, it's crazy. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's unpredictable. So, it's like it you're is. pretty much just rolling with the punches, like, you know, trying to adapt, yeah. trying to adjust. Like, but I'm blessed. Like, more more, more than more important than anything, I'm, I'm blessed and I'm just, you know, thankful. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely, bro. Yo, I appreciate you inviting me, um, you know, on the on the podcast. I know you're doing your thing. You. And so I'm happy to, to you know, have this discussion with you and with the listeners out there because we got some very interesting things going on um, in, in the city of Mount Vernon, in the county of Westchester, in New York State, and obviously nationwide. So I'm ready to get into it, brother. So just give me a second. I'm going to try to pin your, uh, your comment. So how's the family doing before we get into everything? The family is good, man. The family's good. Everybody's healthy, most importantly. 
Um, obviously, we're all kind of ready to get this COVID thing behind us. You know, I have a very big family and, you know, we love to get together and, you know, have a good time and enjoy each other's company. But unfortunately, because of the virus, you know, we kind of had to calm that down a bit. But, um, you know, as we move forward, hopefully these cases kind of curve down. And, you know, I know we're going to talk about the vaccine a little bit uh, tonight as well. So um, that's all a part of it. But besides that, they're good. You know, how, how, how you, uh, your family, how your family doing? We good. You know, I think- I think the main focus is like for everybody else to just maintain it, you know, it's like everything's just so unpredictable with the laws being passed and, you know, everything. Everything's like a domino effect. One thing affects the other, you know, so. Right, man. So it's like, That's the yeah. perfect way to put it. Mm-hmm. Crazy nowadays. For real. <laughs> All right. So, uh, actually, I want to, I, w- I have a few questions, you know, I have a few, few things. Um, just give me one second because I want to do like a. Uh, icebreaker, pretty much something that doesn't have anything to do with the topics that we're going to talk about, but it mainly has to do with uh, with you, pretty much. You know what I'm saying? This is like a somewhat person. It's your show, bro. I'm, right. It's your world. I'm just living in it, you know? <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. Give me one second. All right. So this is just an icebreaker question. You know, you can answer however you want. You can elaborate. There's no uh, particular right or wrong answer to this question. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Might seem like a little bit of a trick question, but you know it's not. I promise. Not no problem. <laughs> All right. So, at this particular moment in your life, are you more worried about doing things right or doing the right things? Hmm. Great question. Doing things right or doing the right things. I mean, you know, I'm a, my mindset is one of abundance. So if I could, you know, do both, that would be you know ideal. Um, I'm in a unique position. I feel to. Um, do the right thing on behalf of my community, on behalf of people who have entrusted me with their vote um, and with their support to legislate and to represent them in, in you know, the, the utmost uh, fashion. So um, I, I started already doing that process through the, the budget. Uh, we had a $2 billion uh, budget process. Um, we're securing money for Memorial Field. We'll talk more about that. I secured some money for Fourth Street Park, $2 million. Um, I'm bringing funding back to the Boys and Girls Club, uh, to the Razorbacks. So doing the right thing in my position uh, translates to fighting hard in the budget mm-hmm. and fighting um, on my legislative initiatives to make sure my, my municipality, my district, my hometown of Mount Vernon, that they get everything they need. So uh, great question, man. That definitely was a curveball, but um, <laughs> I really do, you know, want to do both. I mean, that was a good question, but that's even a better answer. You know, I didn't see that one coming, so that was a good one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, uh, you know, I guess we could get into, you know, the gist of things. Um, let me see, let me see. All right, so, I guess we could start off with this, like, you know, it's only right. Uh, what inspired you to get involved into politics in general, well, the long story short is, um, you know, I'm from the south side of the city. Uh, I grew up on uh, 7th and 3rd, 7th Avenue and 3rd Street. Uh, pretty tough neighborhood. Um, and so uh, I always wondered why my community looked the way it did and other communities looked the exact opposite. And as learning, as I began learning more about civics, about politics, about government, uh, after a few internships, Um, where I learned that there are people responsible for the quality of life in your neighborhood. There are people responsible for 
keeping you and your family safe from gun violence. There are people responsible for picking up your trash, snow, uh, picking up uh, the snow uh, as it comes down. And um, there are people responsible for your schools, right? And I actually got started in politics working on school board elections because I found out that 70 cents of every dollar taxed goes to the schools. And I found that very interesting. Like, you know, we know about the mayor, we know about city council, this person, that person. But in actuality, the superintendent and the school board trustees control way more money. So I should be putting my attention on that, right? So that's kind of how I got started. And after a few successful elections, we actually replaced the entire school board. Me and a few of my friends, maybe 10 to 15 friends, uh, we, we got them up out of there. We said, look, you know, they're not performing up to the standard that we, we want to see. Right. And we're the young ones. So this is our future. These, these are our schools that we're going to send our kids to. Right. Like, you know, so we want to make sure they're up to par. And so I started out doing that. We brought vocational training back to Mount Vernon High School, you know, HVAC, engineering, um, plumbing, all different types of trades. Also, A.B. Davis, as you know, used to be a middle school and now it's a high school again. It's a, a STEM academy where uh, the students are learning coding, um, other types of engineering, and just preparing them for the technological jobs of the future. We want to make sure that they're prepared, right? And we also invested into the arts program. So where money are in Mount Vernon, we fly, we set the trend on every level. And so, right, music-wise, fashion-wise, art and facet, but specifically in those worlds, so what we also did was we invested money uh, into the auditorium at uh, Nellie Thornton. If you go in there right now, I used to go to Thornton uh, in elementary school. Back in yeah, exactly. It was your high school, right? But okay, yeah, rep, look, rep, rep, <laughs> rep your year, brother. Absolutely, but you know, we we put money and invested into the auditorium so that our students, our performing art students have state-of-the-art equipment to refine their craft and refine their skill set. So that's kind of how I got started. Um, I just wanted to make a difference. And sometimes you got to say, if not us, then who? We got to step up to the plate. And so I'm just trying to do my part. Nice, nice. Uh, just to piggyback off of uh, like your answer pretty much. So you, 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 you said that you noticed from young that like this is something that you took interest in. Like, you know, it caught your eye. Like, uh, yep. So, like, I have a little brother. You know, I'm pretty sure you have, like, younger, like, nieces, nephews, or whatever the case may be, cousins. And, uh, so, if they want to get involved, like, what what would you say is, like, the best way to, like, get involved? I know that I'm pretty sure there's not no, like, you know, blueprint formula, but, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, if anything. I think a good way to get involved is to help out on the campaign that you believe in, right? Or help a candidate that you believe in. And it doesn't, like, specifically have to be for a candidate that's running for election. You could feel very passionate about, you know, you're a kid coming up. You care about Memorial Field or you care about uh, Brush Park, right? You want to see some changes in, in, you know, in those in those locations, right, or some improvements. And so what you can do is either work with an elected official, right, a city council member, the mayor. You can go speak to the city council. Or, you know, if you just want to help out, knock on a few doors, make a few phone calls to seniors, help out and give food. You know, I, I try to do that uh, and try to post that online 
uh, as much as possible so people know if they do want to you know give a helping hand and help out they can stop by and, and volunteer to give back to their community so i think the the best way to get started is to either start on the campaign uh for a candidate you really believe in or get behind a group uh, or an association that really is is focused on one particular issue right so for instance there are especially some millennials like ourselves, there are groups that are designated to talk just about universal broadband and, and giving free internet and, and making that a public utility because we have kids now that are, they're, they're forced to learn from home, right? You have hybrid and you have virtual learning methods right now. And so some kids in certain areas, they don't have access to sustainable internet and sustainable Wi-Fi, So, Therefore, they're falling behind, right? So there are certain groups that are geared to talk specifically about that issue there, right? So if you, you're passionate about a certain issue, um, you can you can definitely advocate for it, right? So that I think that's the best way to get involved is sweat equity, you know, uh, uh, you know, put on for for what you believe in. Nice, nice. Yes, sir. All right, so. Uh... So, well, I mean, I think you actually pretty much answered my next question. Um, yeah, what was that? So my next question was pretty much uh, a lot of people, especially in these times, uh, they feel helpless, like, you know, when it comes to, like, political issues. And that, so pretty much I was going to ask, like, what are ways they could get involved? But I think you pretty much nailed it as far as, like, you know. And look, what I tell people is this. Politics really, you know, there there are some complex, you know, portions of, of politics and governing, right? Um, you, you deal with complex budgets. Legislation can have nuance, right, to to, uh, to them. But really, you know, we, we got to remember that uh, politicians work for you. I work for you, right? So if you don't understand something, then that means we have to communicate it to you in a clearer fashion, right? Or we have to make it. Uh, we have to break it down. That's just what our jobs. That's what our jobs is. So uh, I think whether if that's pertaining to your, your child's education, then you should show up to the PTA meetings and, and ask the, the tough questions, right? Ask the, the, the administrators, ask your child's teacher, and ask for clarification if you don't understand. If you want a, you know, a speed bump uh, on your home block, make sure you go to the city council and, and convey your concerns. Make sure you go speak to the commissioner. Make sure you go speak to the mayor, right? Be engaged. I think that's the difference between our community and other communities sometimes. You know, uh, I know a lot of folks in our community work multiple jobs, but when we can, we need to really engage the system. We need to show up to the city council meetings, right? PTA meetings in Mount Vernon, you may have five, six, seven parents there. If you go to Scarsdale, the, the, pre-COVID, the room is packed. It's, it's standing room only, right? So... Again, I know we face different issues in our in our community, but at the I think that's a way we can really uh, bridge that gap and, and get involved. And I, before before we move on, I just want to you know give you your roses while I still can, like you know what I'm saying, because I think it's huge. It, it, it's it's huge in itself because uh, you know I don't want to make things about race, but before anything else, you and I we're black, like you know what I'm saying, we're black right. men at that, and. Uh, it, Politics opens doors like in ways that I never even knew. Like you know what I'm saying, and Absolutely, just, man. just to see you in spaces that 
you know, you're, you're, you're in spaces and rooms that we ideally back at, you know, a couple hundred years ago, we would have never even thought to be able to walk through. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. I mean, one way I look at it is not to cut you off, bro, yeah, but, you know, I, I stand on the shoulders of, you know, my ancestors and, and the ones that came before me. And same, same with you. We all are, are able to navigate this world and we have certain opportunities nowadays that, you know, wasn't afforded to, you know, our grandparents, even our parents, you know, our great grandparents and great uncles and great aunts. We, we So we have to take. You know, we, we got to take full advantage, right? We, we're we only here for an allotted amount of time. And especially as black and brown people, you know, we we sometimes live a, a little short of a life. So we have to really, you know, we have a responsibility to give back, to leave the door open uh, behind us and to make sure that we're not only the first ones, we're, we're not the last ones. So, um, yeah, I, I think you, you said that, that perfectly. All right, so uh, all right, so finally, you know, finally, uh, Trump is at is eventually leaving, you know, uh, next month. So you know that that that's huge in itself. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, Biden's coming in, and, and he, I mean, he he's faced with something that I don't I don't think no other president had to at least walk into. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, right. I mean, you know, Barack Obama came in during a time of, um, you know, economic uncertainty, you know, the housing uh, crisis, the economic crisis in general was almost unmatched. But now you have an economic crisis and you still have this pandemic going on. Right. And, and, and we're in a time now where people try to get together because it's holiday season. You have Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa. Right. New Year's. We just had Thanksgiving a few, you know, a few weeks ago. Right. So people are going to start congregating. And so he has to deal with that on the national level. Um, But is he perfect? Absolutely not. But I do think handling the pandemic, he will be better than Trump. I mean, Trump literally lied to us, you know, saying it was no issue. A few times. A few times. (laughs) And just about that issue. We lies about everything, but specifically this issue. He lied a few times, and and the American people remember that at the ballot box. And so, you know, Trump is up out of here. He's a one-term president. So hopefully Joe Biden, Kamala Harris uh, will, will come in and listen to science and listen to the professionals. And hopefully we can get back to some semblance of normalcy. For real. Uh, you mentioned Kamala Harris. I think that's also another step forward, you know, like. First, we had a mm-hmm. black president, you know, male president, but now we got a black woman in the office, vice president. I, I mean, it's if anything, if, if twenty twenty hasn't taught me anything else, it taught me taught me how to embrace unpredictability for real. Like it, it's, uh, it's a real thing. Like you know, everything is unpredictable. Yeah, man. But I think you know that's a win for the culture. That's that's awesome. You know, I have a little sister who's nine years old, and she's gonna grow up in a world where you know the vice president is a, is a black woman, right? And that that's major for just for her psyche, just for, you know, her confidence. Like, wow, you know, I really can aspire to be anything, right? Even the vice president and maybe after Joe Biden serves, even the president. And that's another ceiling that's that's shattered, right? And so I'm extremely happy. You know, I'm Caribbean, I'm Jamaican, but I still rep, you know, bump, bump. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, um, I'm, I'm extremely proud of her. I'm excited to see her in action. Um, leading the country along with Joe Biden, man. So I, I'm, I'm hyped. Yeah. 
too. And to just yep. touch on what you said, like, you know, how you got a little sister. I got a, girl, a little girl that's going to be five years old next month. You know what I'm saying? And for her to know that, you know, there, there pretty much isn't a ceiling. You know what I'm saying? I think that's it's wonderful in, in itself. You know what I'm saying? Though? Absolutely, man. That's, it's powerful. Yeah, definitely. definitely powerful. Uh, so, um, let me see. Like, my boy Mikey in the comments with the Jamaican flag. I see my brother. Right, right. Shout out to Mikey, like. <laughs> Hopefully I can get him on, you know. Like, yeah, I'm trying to get absolutely. all my brothers. That and that, I think that's what. That... Shout out, yeah. Shout out my boy Mikey. The Jamaican story doing great work with that right. documentary. Um, you know, young dynamic. Uh, you know, young man, and you know, we all got to rise together. We all got to keep working together, and that's how we we keep you know moving in the right direction. That's that's what we got to do. Exactly. Uh, so, is there anything? in particular that you think they should accomplish first, like as far as the uh, Biden and Kamala Harris party, like going into office? Well, again, we got to get the pandemic under control. We, we have to make sure the transmission, uh, you know, percentages go down, um, of positive cases go down. We have to make sure deaths obviously go down. Um, and we have to, I guess, put in uh, some, uh, some protections to make sure that this never happens again. I know as of now in like the UK, they have a, <clears throat> a new strand I'm hearing. And so I think countries are kind of acting a bit quicker this time saying, well, you know, there's a ban until you guys get it together. So hopefully th- they continue to move in that smart way. Um, and then we have to get the economy back on track. Yeah. Right. Obviously one life lost is one too many. But we've lost, there's been a lot of collateral damage, right? We've lost small businesses, and especially a lot of black and brown businesses have been just crushed by uh, COVID-19, right? So then we would have to talk about another supplemental stimulus package um, on top of the one they're fighting about now, right? We got to get that done out the gate um, to get us back on track, you know? So I think that's the, the first two steps. The first step is completely getting the the virus under control um and then we segue into getting the economy making sure middle middle class and lower you know uh, lower income earners are are taken care of that's what i think all right uh so let me see what the comments are saying uh somebody said for you to speak to gun and gang violence and police reform um yeah Yeah, i I was definitely going that i think that's something that definitely should be touched on you know um, Absolutely. Yeah, if you want to, you know, if you want to speak on that. So, bit, this this is my this is my take, my opinion. Okay. I feel like most of the gun violence and even just in general crime in general in our urban centers and our you know uh, black you know these black neighborhoods, brown neighborhoods, right? Unfortunately, this is where most of the crime, the gun violence happens, and that's because a lack of access to economic opportunity, right? I think. You know, these are people who sometimes find themselves in very difficult situations. And, you know, they, they, they're out here killing each other because they don't have any other options. They're desperate. And we got to stop demonizing them and looking at them as, you know, uh, basically super predators, as some elected officials have called them. And we need to understand where they're coming from. We need to provide these people opportunity so that they can provide for them, their families and obviously stop committing crimes. Right, but it's gonna be a negative loop if we don't get that under control. And so, some of the things I've done to address gun violence, you know, theft, 
you know, Grand Theft Auto, all these other things is I'm trying to invest into uh, the economic portion of, of the community to give people skills so that they can fend for themselves and their families, right? So, for instance, we have uh, the Westchester Barber Academy, right? It's a, a small business located here in Mount Vernon. But in the budget, I secured monies for their foundation. Their foundation teaches folks how to barber, right? How to secure their OSHA 30 certificates, how to secure their HVAC uh, certificates, right? And so basically they're teaching kids how to, you know, learn learn a skill and, and apply that skill and gain uh, employment off of that skill, right? And so it's actually a funnel where instead of having the, the prison pipeline, we have the job pipeline where you go through the program, right? You get an apprenticeship or like an internship where you, you might not be making the money you want to right away, but you're still getting hands-on real-life experience, and then you segue that into working full-time at that establishment or opening your own business and working for yourself and employing others, and then that's the negative loop that we want to create. Black, Black right? Wall Street kind of. Black you. Wall Street. Look, I always say this too. Mount Vernon is very unique, man. You know, Mount Vernon is the only black uh, municipality, only majority black municipality above the Mason-Dixon line, wow. right? So we're, we're, we have that uh, going for us. Also, the location, we have three Metro North train stations, Mount Vernon East, Mount Vernon West, Fleetwood. That's major for you know moving people around in commerce. Also, we have nearly every highway surrounding Mount Vernon. And we're right above the greatest city economically in the world, right? New York City. So with all those factors combined, we really could be Black Wall Street, right? But we have to do that through entrepreneurship. We have to talk more about ownership. We got to talk more about financial literacy. And we have to address systemic racism and, and discrimination and all of those things. Absolutely. But... We also have to, you know, be accountable and, and, and be financially literate and practice group economics. I think that, along with our social justice movements, along with marching, along with advocating, let's continue to do those things. But we also got to have the brass tax. We also got to talk about that bag because this is America. And that's just the fact of it. Right. So that's that's my take. brother. <laughs> Yeah, just uh, I just want to you know rest in peace to Breonna Taylor, rest in peace to George rest Floyd, peace. everybody, Tamir Rice, right. everybody. Unfortunately, it's countless like at this point. You know what I'm saying? And, and it's crazy right. that it is. Yeah, you know, it is. But if, if if black people can't do anything else, we know how to rise above stuff. Like you know, what look, I'm look, we're resilient. That, that look, look where we we come from, right? Mm -hmm. And look where we are, right? And so. We just have to continue to build on what, you know, our ancestors left for us, exactly. right? That's it. But the, the, the truth of the matter is, though, again, I'm 28. You, you know, you're, you're around the same age. A lot of the folks in our generation, we have certain opportunities that they couldn't even have dreamt, you know, dreamt of. And so it may not be perfect, but we have to at least try and push the envelope, Right. So that when that next generation comes behind us, it's a little easier for them. And then they, they do their job and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's like a relay race, yeah. right? So we have the baton now. Mm 
and we got to go hard. We got to do what we got to do. And it's not going to be perfect. It's going to be tough. But we can continue to, to, to move forward. We got to be resilient. Continue to be resilient. Uh, let's see. Um, hmm. All right. So my next question, um, I think it ties pretty much into the last question, but also into you know a few things that you touched on as far as like you know small businesses and things of that nature. Um, what political issues are being caused by coronavirus? Because like you said, like well, this this it's a trickling effect, like yeah. So. So what political issues are being caused? I mean, again, you know, coronavirus is shuttering the doors of businesses throughout the country um that that's one thing too um employees are being hurt too i mean there are jobs when you you close a small business you know we're not talking amazon we're not talking walmart we're talking about the small mom and pop uh stores you know all throughout mount vernon all throughout westchester county they're being hurt as well right and so you know, as I mentioned before, that collateral damage is going to be something that Joe Biden and Kamala, once they come in and they get the, the virus under control, they have to address that. Right. You know, they have to. You can't really talk about anything else. Also, uh, education. I mentioned before, we're trying to get universal broadband implemented on the county level. And hopefully we can go state and national. You know, though that's my uh, my Christmas wish. But um you know, the, the, some kids are falling behind, and, and this is going to have long-term, you know, ramifications. Yeah. So um, I, I think those are a few of the issues that, that are being caused by the, by the pandemic. A whole host of others, but yeah. especially that, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. All right. So, uh, so uh, let's, go, let's go back a little f- you know, uh, I guess maybe around 2016, uh, that's when Trump was uh, inaugurated. And, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, if I'm not mistaken, Hillary won the popular vote. Yep, she won the popular vote by 3 million votes, but the Electoral College, Trump won. Electoral College. Right. So, what Trump did, he actually flipped a few key uh, swing states. Swing states are states also known as purple states, but these are states that can go either way uh, in a presidential election or even in a congressional election, right? So before 2016, the Democrats had something called the blue wall, and we actually earned it back with Joe Biden, but that's Wisconsin, Michigan, Ohio, right? It's kind of like the Rust Belt, and Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania is a major state. Why? Because one, you got Philadelphia there, or heavily populated uh, city, right? But it also had 29 electoral college votes, I believe, off the top of my head. 29 votes for one state, right? And what Trump did is he flipped all of those states from blue to red, right? And so that gave him the electoral math and numbers necessary to, you know, electorally win win the, uh, the race. So Joe Biden actually flipped that. He got those states back in the blue column, and he also won Georgia, right, with the help of Stacey Abrams, the dynamic queen, Stacey Abrams. Um, Yeah, shout out to her, man. And she's also, so we have a big race, two big races, actually, for the U.S. Senate um, in January to decide the majority of the the, the U.S. Senate, and that will therefore uh, determine what Biden can and can't do as far as addressing some stuff, right? 
So, yeah, but the Electoral College, Trump, Trump won the Electoral College. Hillary won the popular vote. This time, Biden won everything. So, yeah, you know, I, that's that. <laughs> I was going to say, it's funny how, you know, things come full circle because yeah. in 2016 when, um, when Hillary lost, you know, and Trump won because of the Electoral College. It's the same reason why he lost this year, you know? Like, and, and it's funny because I remember him tweeting like to Hillary, like, oh, you know, you lost because you didn't have the Electoral College on your side. You know, I won the Electoral College. But then you're, right. you're, you're, now you're complaining you want to recount votes and all of these other things because of the same reason you won is the same reason you lost now. Like, it, it's contradicting. You know? Yeah, he, he's talking out of both sides of his mouth. He's salty and, and look, you know, he moved out of New York, so you can go back to Florida. We're good to go. <laughs> right, right, good. Good to go. Yeah, you can stay there. Like, you know, we're not claiming you can stay there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, let's see what else is there. Uh, so let so let's let's stick with the the conversation of the elect, electoral college. Uh, what are your thoughts on the electoral college? Do you do you feel like it's something that could be uh, eventually like I don't know maybe like revamped or just taken away I, altogether? I mean, there, there are a lot of discussions about whether it should be reformed or whether it should be completely removed. I mean, me personally, I think we should just get rid of it. You know, it has some, uh, you know, it basically was used for, you know, racist, uh, uh, you know, dealings in the past with, with elections, you know, counting people that look like you and I as three-fifths of a person and whatnot, right? We have to get rid of all of that. Um, and, and I and I feel I mean just to be fair, if somebody gets more votes than you, you lost. You know what I'm saying? Like, cause... It, yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, every other election is whoever got the most votes, you win. Okay. Except for the president, that doesn't make sense. I think we got to get rid of that. Because this world, I mean, the U.S. was built on democracy. You know, you know what I'm saying? And right. if that, if that, right. if that's the narrative that we're going to try to always project. Like, it's like it's contradicting to have a electoral college that. Nobody knows who's really part of, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, I don't, right. I never met nobody. Like, you know, like we, I know you, you know, you know me. Like, right, right, right. Mm -hmm. You're part of the community. Like, you know, I could, if there's a question, I could ask you. Like, you know, like, I don't know who's part of that. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I can't ask nobody. Who, yeah, there's no transparency it's like there. A secret society almost. Yeah, it's, it's something crazy, man. And I, I think it's something of the past. And, um, but again, being a pragmatist, the only way we can get rid of it or amend the Constitution or whatever steps we need to take to make that change, then, you know, we got to win the majorities to, to, to do that. Right. So that's why if you have any, you know, listeners or followers out there from Georgia, make sure you go vote in January and make sure you spread the word online and also in person. Because, you know, if we want to get rid of the Electoral College, if we want to make all the other changes we want to see, then we got to win first. You know, so Biden and Kamala did their part. The Senate is still up in the air, so we, we have more work to do. Yeah. <coughs> uh, so let me just see the comments. Because, uh, so somebody said, Tare, uh, the Shamoya McKenzie Foundation appreciates you and your service. Do you want to speak on that a little bit? Like, what, what exactly? Oh, God, how you doing? Shamoya McKenzie was um superstar, right? She was... I believe 12 or 13 years old. Uh, she's like 6'3", playing on the, the varsity basketball team, was already getting looks from the UConn's uh, college team, and her light was snatched from us by a straight bullet, right? Um, and, and, you know, we just spoke about, you know, gun violence and, and how to curb that. 
And, the, you know, we lose people like Shamoya when we don't get these things under control, under wraps, right? She was an innocent bystander, right? Bright future. She was a scholar, a straight-A student, um, most likely, you know, going to be in the a WNBA one, one day. And uh, she was taken away. So the Shamoya, you know, McKenzie Foundation was started by her mother, Nadine McKenzie. Um, and uh, before my election, I was, you know, a member of the foundation. Um, I had to, you know, uh, give up my, my seat as a, uh, you know, a board member. But um, because, you know, the because I'm an elected official now, so just to, you know, have no, uh, no issues there. But um, the foundation tries to spread awareness about. Uh, you know, these, these atrocities that happen in our communities, they try to get guns off the, the streets. They work with organizations like Moms Demand Action, right? These are, these are mothers that have lost their sons and daughters to gun violence. And so they're on the front lines and working uh, in communities that face, um, you know, this, you know, the, uh, these type of uh, situations. So um, Coach Scott is the president, uh, Randy Scott in the comments, and He's doing a great job and, you know, I'm going to be here to help him out and help Nadine and help uh, everyone else out uh, associated with the, uh, the organization as much as possible. So. Shout outs to the Shamoya McKenzie Foundation. I think that's huge, you know. Um, it's, it's, it's unfortunate, like, just to stick on the topic of gun violence and um, I just feel compelled to get this off my chest because, you know, I, I, I pretty much put this platform together for brothers just to come together, you know, for us to have conversations on various topics. Like, you know, it, it doesn't really matter what it is exactly. But also, I want us to show the world that there's more to us than other than what you what the media portrays us to be. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like all, like all the time, all you hear is like gun violence, or even if it's in a positive light, it's like entertainment. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, there, there's more to us other than those things. You know what I'm saying? And right. uh, it just bothers me, like, you know, that brothers are so quick to go pick up a gun as opposed to, like, my, my father, like, raising me, he always told me, you, you fight with these, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, before Same anything here. else. Like, you, yeah, I feel like that's another thing that's lost. Like, I, I mean, I want to say probably, you know, our generation, like, the millennials, that's, that's probably where that died at. <laughs> you know, like, it's probably just when they stink, right. like, you know, it's like everybody... I guess after well, you know, let me not hold nobody accountable in particular. I'm not gonna hold one generation because this is this is something that's been ongoing for years. Uh, you know, so it's nothing new. You know, nothing under the sun is new. But I just feel like it's, it's something that went extinct. You know, just little by little over time. Like it's like now it's more like second nature to pick up a gun instead of like you know, hey, if you got growing up, I, I don't know about you, but like growing up. <laughs> You know, if you had if you if you had an altercation or if you didn't like somebody, you guys fought it out, and even then, right. you, might, you might still be friends after. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. yeah, just put them up, and you know, you gotta you gotta do what you gotta do. But uh, I think I mean I don't advocate for violence yeah. at all yeah. under any circumstance. Yeah. But if you you know if it gets to that point and you gotta do what you gotta do, then exactly. you know. But don't but we gotta put the guns down. Like this is this is ridiculous. It's, it's kind of cowardly. Like like you were stating like. People are scared to, you know, um, either, you know, use conflict resolution, which should be the, the first option at, at all times. Um, but, you know, push come to shove, 
and you got to push and shove, just do that. Don't, exactly. you know, gun up. leave the gun. Right, we gotta get, we gotta, we gotta get rid of that. I, I, I totally agree, brother. Wife's actually in chat. Uh, she says, "How do we get rid of the electoral college? Is there anything that you think that would be like a starting point as far as like how how to get this in process? Or because like you see you see things that like Robert E. Lee statues getting taken down, and I love to be alive now because you, you get to see, you see the pro- process. You know what I'm saying? It's not huge steps, but I mean baby steps are better than none none taken at all. You know what I'm saying? So absolutely. So what was the question to how to get them off of the the streets? Uh, so the, the- so uh, I guess this one was pretty much going back to the electoral college. Um, it says, okay. yeah, mm-hmm. how, how do we get rid of the electoral college?" Pretty much. So that's so again, we would have to. I believe that would have to be a constitutional amendment, mm-hmm. right? Which would take you. You basically need a majority in both chambers, mm-hmm. uh, and you need a president that's willing to sign off on it, right? Um, so we're still dealing with Mitch McConnell. In the Senate, right? The, the the turtle. We're still dealing with him, right? Um, so we have to. So first and foremost, we got to win those two Senate seats in Georgia. We have to, right? And then we have to maintain our majority in the House. We have midterm elections coming up in two thousand and twenty-two. So we have to hold on to our gains and make gains in the upper chamber. And then we would have to propose it. It, it could either come from the Senate or the House. Um, but but th- those are the steps. We first have to have the majorities, and then we can move forward. Nice. That's, that's a very informative yeah. answer. Yeah, no, because look, the, the fact of the matter is Republicans can't win by the numbers, mm. right? They, they just don't have the numbers. So they have to lie. They have to do voter suppression. They got to cheat like they did Stacey Abrams down in Georgia when Brian Kemp was running against her, right? They got to do these little things to win. And the Electoral College, nine times out of ten, really helps them, right? It, it, it always helps them. So if they have the majority in the, you know, the lower chamber of Congress or in the U.S. Senate like they do now, they're not going to vote against their interests. So the only way we can right that wrong is to win, and then we you know, work as co-equal uh, branches of government, the executive branch being the president and the legislative being the Congress, come together and make that happen, but we got to win first. Uh, let's see. Uh, touched on that. Uh, so, we're almost pretty much done. You know, I, I feel like I should have been a little bit more prepared. You know, if anything, we could always do this. Bro, again, look, you know what I'm saying? It's, all, it's all good, brother. Yeah, whenever you need me to come back on or I can come back on and talk to the people, I'm down. All right, I'm definitely down. Uh, so... So this is more of a futuristic question, you know, for you sure. personally. Uh, how do you envision the next... Well, actually, no, I actually take that... Well, all right, so this is going to be a two-sided question. You say, okay. So I ask you this in one aspect, and then I guess I ask you in a different aspect for you, individually. Uh, how do you envision the next 10 years being politically, as far as, like, just the climate, people, you know, pe- people in communities, as, as like you spoke about before, like, black and brown, like... How do you envision it being 10 years from now, like, as far as them trusting, like, you know, the political, because there's a lot black and brown communities that don't really, you know, they don't really trust politicians. and Right, know. and they have, they have reason not to trust them. Mm-hmm. So what we're seeing now with, like, the Black Lives Matter movement, 
and all other so, social justice movements is we're no longer waiting. Like, you know, I'm 28. People told me, wait your turn. You're, you're not old enough, da, 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 whatever. I don't, I'm not hearing that, right? And what I'm thinking about our generation and what I'm seeing is that we're becoming more engaged. We're just putting ourselves in the position. Look, you know what? Look, we're going to put this rally together. We're going to put this panel together. We're going to put this podcast together. We're going to have these conversations on our own. And so as we continue to do that, and the, the generation behind us sees that it's going to be a perpetuating positive cycle, right? So I see the community, the, the black community specifically, becoming more and more engaged politically, right? And, and it's not just about politics, though. Like I said, we got to focus on the economics, right? I, I encourage everybody out there to read Dr. Claude Anderson's Powernomics, right? And he talks about how, you, you know, you, you need both, really. You need an economic base, right? And you need a political base, right? So, but but we can't, we can't really get what we want without having both. So um, that, that's what I see the, the, the trajectory being. I think we're moving in the right direction politically. People, because of Donald Trump, had, they have to pay attention. You had to pay attention. He was tweeting something every day. He was doing something crazy every day, right? And so everybody was like, let me turn on the TV and see what COVID-45 is up to, <laughs> right? <laughs> so so people are paying attention now. And then now, you know, you got a black woman in the, in the White House. We got Joe Biden, who we know from Barack Obama. So I think our community is, you know, uniquely uh, ready to, to take our political stature to the next level, right? We are the backbone of the Democratic Party, no matter what they want to say. We are the backbone. They can't win a national election without us. Yeah. So at the end of the day, when Biden gets in, you know, I hope he makes good on his promises because if not, and black voters don't show up, you know, that's ball game. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, so what? What do you? How do you envision the next ten years for you individually? Uh, I mean, look, like you said, one thing twenty twenty has shown us is that, you know. Uh, the unpredictability factor. Um, you know, one thing I, I I try to live by though is you got to be able to do the small job before you can do the big job, right? You got to handle what's in front of you now before you even worry about that next step. And so, um, ten years, brother, I, I have no clue. You know, I hope to be alive and to be healthy. Um, but you know, uh, right now I'm focused on being the best county legislator for my beloved hometown, money earning Mount Vernon. Um, I want to finish Memorial Field. I want to continue to give back to the Boys and Girls Club. I want to revitalize 4th Street Park with that $2 million we secured. I want to just be an example, a role model um, for the young black boys and girls from the other side of the tracks, from the south side, from the, the hood, you know, that we can excel in other other things in life other than being a rapper or being an athlete. And honestly, I was an athlete. I, I I'm very well versed with that world. I have friends who play professionally, and I'm extremely proud of them. You, right, you, and I have produced uh, professional. I don't, I don't, mean, I don't mean to cut you off because you, uh, you yeah. touch on the topic of athletes and stuff. You you did play in uh, Brush Park, right? You played baseball, like little league and all of those things, right? If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I mean, I played Rollins All State, um, Brush Park, That's right. 10, I'm, 11, I'm, and 12. I, I, I was, uh, then. 
Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely, look, those games were intense, man. Great games. You know, um, yeah, I played Little League there. I played um, for a Home Run City at at the, the Ice Hutch for Brush, uh, for uh, Babe Ruth. Uh, former Malvern Razorback. Uh, you know, in high school, uh, I was fortunate enough to uh, be the uh, starting quarterback uh, for uh, undefeated team. We won the state championship, 12-0. and 0. We was top 25 in the nation, number one team in the state and whatnot, and I played a little bit in college. And so I had, you know, um, great opportunities because of sports. And But honestly, it all started because of having access to Memorial Field and having access to Brush Park. I wouldn't have been able to capitalize on my athletic, you know, uh, uh, ability if I didn't have those, that, those foundational uh, pieces. Yeah. I think it's huge. Like, and again, I just want to commend you because, you know, growing up, Memorial Field was one of those places where even if you just wanted to run around the track, you know what I'm saying? Like, it was just like, at least you had, at least the availability was there. And when that was taken away, that was it, like devastating in, in itself, you know, it's like. Right. You know, like, and there's a whole generation that just, they, they don't know that feeling. They don't know Memorial Field, right? They don't know what it's like to hit those steps and run up and down those steps or to run around a little dirt track exactly. or, you know what I'm saying, to, to play tackle football with your friends over behind the concession stand in the grass area, right? They, they don't know what it's like. So we got to bring that back. And, and also some of my friends who graduated from Mount Vernon High School, that used to be the place where they graduated. We got to bring that back for them, right? That's pride. That's school pride. That's city pride. We got to bring that back. Yeah. We used to have car shows there. We used to have concerts there, right? We got to bring all that back. And on, and on top of that, just one last point about Memorial Field. That's a that's a economic engine. That's that's a revenue generator for us, right? So if we have uh, Junior Olympics and they're looking for a location, looking for a location, they can come to the city of Mount Vernon, pay us, lease it out, and have their event, yeah. right? So you know that's that's just my my spiel on that. I appreciate it, my brother. Thank you for coming through. Uh, let me let me let me say I'm gonna ask you a few little hypotheticals to keep the time coming. Like oh uh, sure. So you you're at a dinner table. Uh, so it's you, party of five. So like you and four other people, in your head, like whoever comes to your mind, like who would you want to be sitting at that table with you? Me and four could, other they, people. They could be yeah, they could be dead or alive. It, it doesn't matter. But my mother, my father, mm. and I would say my my aunt who passed, and my 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 grandmother who passed. Mm. You know. Um, like I said, I, I stand on their shoulders, and uh, everything I do is for them, man. You know, so uh, as I'm sure you do the same for your, your family. So those are my four right there: mom, dad, uh, my my aunt, and my my other grandmother. Wow, great answers! Like, it's like it's like well, as soon as I think I could stump you, like, it's like you outdo it every time. Oh, like, <laughs> uh, let me see what else is there. Um, I did have one more, and I now I just I'm just throwing a blank, like, and it was a good one That's, too. Like, it's all good, brother. Well, let me see. Let me. Man, I can't really can't think of it. Is there is there anything that you want to say, like, or anything that you know you want you want to talk about yeah. and bring shed light on? I mean, no. I mean, I could just you know give a close. I, again, I want to thank you, bro, for providing this space, providing this platform. Um, 
you know, for you know, my brother's keeper and uh, for us to have, um, you know, uh, somewhere we, we can discuss these topics openly, um, you know, and I appreciate that, uh, you know, and, and I'm just trying to do what I can as a county legislator to make sure I'm engaging the people and I'm out there and I'm accessible. Although we have COVID, we can't be together in person. I encourage everybody to visit my website. I have it there pinned. Um, and also follow me on Instagram, TyrateWS. Um, and if you have questions, reach out. I'm pretty I'm pretty accessible. Um, but in closing, um, you know, I'm just trying to be the best legislator I can be. Uh, you know, we just finished the budget. It was a $2 billion budget. Right. We cut government expenditures by $16 million. That's basically making the government more efficient, right, with tax dollars. We know that property taxes are a bit high. Uh, we cut a million dollars in, in property taxes uh, for the county. Um, and as stated before, uh, something I'm very proud to have secured in the budget, which uh, finalized last week, was $2 million for Fourth Street Park, a park that I grew up in playing basketball in. Another huge landmark. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> um, bringing money back to the Boys and Girls Club. Uh, bringing money back for the Westchester Barber Academy, which I spoke about briefly before with the trades. Bringing money back for NSSA uh, STEM Academy, which is an academy that teaches coding uh, and other uh, uh, vocational skills of the future. Um, and so I'm just going to keep keep fighting. I'm going to keep being a resource. Um, and what I'm going to do moving forward is I want to incorporate civics into my discussion, into my platform, right? The more we know, the more we can do. Knowledge is power, right? And, and so we know how to really, we call it finesse, right? Finesse the system or leverage the system to our benefit, then let's, let's do it, right? We have the power. We have the leverage. Everybody knows that black lives matter now, Right. And so now it's time to take that to another level as we move forward into 2021. So again, my brother, yes, thank, you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I want the family to have a happy holiday. Same Merry thing. Christmas. I hope you finished all your shopping because I got to, I still have pieces though. <laughs> uh, uh, so, so it's crazy that you mentioned. So, I mean, as far as like immediate family, yes. Uh, I'm actually okay. possibly going to be going to Target right now because, you know, they changed holiday store hours and all of that. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So I'm actually probably after this might be actually making my way over there. So good, good man. <laughs> get it done, like, you know what I'm saying? Gotta get it done. Got you, brother. Same here, man. Same here. But this is a pleasure. It's a pleasure likewise. I appreciate you coming through. You know, again, congratulations on everything that you've already accomplished and I'm looking forward to seeing what else you do accomplish, you know, in the near future. And I just you know, I wish you the best of luck for real. Thank you, my brother. No problem. Be safe. Talk soon. Thank you, everybody up here. Right. Again, that's a wrap. Episode two of the My Brother's Keeper podcast. I want to, again, I want to appreciate, I appreciate all you guys. Like, I appreciate everybody, friends, family, uh, associates of Tyrese, associates of mine. Thank you for just coming through and, you know, just taking a, whether it was five seconds five minutes or the whole duration of this episode just thank you for coming through and just watching you know hopefully this was enlightening to for you guys it was definitely enlightening for me again i want to uh thank my guest tyree woodson 
again, thank you for my friends and family for coming through, supporting. Uh, again, also huge shout outs to my wife, my biggest supporter. So, <laughs> shout outs to you. I love you. Uh, and for, first and foremost, last but not least, I just want to thank God. You know, because without without Him, none of this is possible. Again, thank you guys. You know, and we, you know, unfortunately we we're in troubled times, but we'll get through this like everything else. Hope you guys stay safe, stay blessed, and until next time, it's Eric St. Genesis, and I'm out.